0: Neuronutrition. nutrition slash like neuroscience. I am beyond excited to tackle this subject today. We'll be focusing on words that seem to be the buzzwords these days for wellness like intermittent fasting, inflammation, adrenal fatigue, sleep optimization, fat loss, uh, keto, CrossFit, and the list goes on. So joining me in studio today is Chet Binning, the founder of Brain Ignition. Now the company provides evidence-based tools to athletes in order to improve energy, recovery, and overall brain health. And while studying at Western University, he specialized in immune responses and the effects exercise actually has on the brain. So everything about this topic today has me giddy. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And as always, for more information, you can check out extensionmarketing.com. Chet, I'm so excited to have you in so here. So Thank you yes. very much for that intro. Oh, well, it, I loved looking at all the information and knowing just how many topics we were going to be able to hit on today. I figured I would at least start because there's a whole background and I love the story as to how people get in on this yeah. but when you say neuroscience or neuronutrition did I explain it a little bit like like what are we what are we talking about
1: yeah so neuronutrition essentially so this is nutrition with a focus on brain health so it's how the individual macronutrients micronutrients affect our brain and so like the goal with all of this is it's because from what I've learned in my own experiences, it's how we feel on a daily basis, energy performance, it's a top-down effect, right? So it's like, I mean, our brain controls everything, so it's, it's targeting the brain. And then things like, um, you know, fat loss, performance, energy recovery, these are all side effects. So I really do, I look at, I'm not someone who says, someone comes to me and they say, you know, if, here's my goals. What can I do to achieve weight loss? Yada, yada, yada. My, like fat loss is never my number one goal. Can I help you achieve that? Yes. But again, I, I look at these things as a side effect, mm-hmm. um, by kind of, again, optimizing brain health. That's kind of the,
0: that's the, how you like, if you're at a dinner table and someone's like, exactly, Hey, Jeff, what is yeah, it that you do? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then you'd say, well, you see that broccoli that you're eating, that's actually going to add yeah, a different. There's a lot more
1: to it than that. And I think <laughs> yes. we'll get into it, but
0: Totally, kind of I think I like getting into oftentimes is the backstory as to how this comes about because the way people end up in the work that they do, I I yeah. think is fascinating and usually, especially in this industry, there's a reason for it. And you know, as an athlete yourself, growing up, I'm like there was a there was an interest, or I would think that there was an understanding of what was going to help you be a better athlete.
1: Yes, um, yeah, my story is it's definitely not typical, like typical, in that some people who end up studying a master's in neuroscience, I, I mean, I shouldn't say this, I don't know for sure, but I don't think most people took the path I took. So it's kind of a funny one, to be honest. So I'll just go back to like high school because it's people who know me, knew me in high school mm-hmm. and kind of haven't seen me since, but follow me on the socials now are just like, wait, is this like, this is, is Chet? This are you is are you this sure? The same guy. And I've even heard of um, one of my old high school teachers essentially just this this was her like to a T like could not believe when she found out through the grapevine that I was doing these things because so I just to jump in I was kind of I was your typical I mean male 15 to 18 year old in high school love to play sports that's all I really cared about hockey being my number one choice and of course school was always second I mean I would play I would play on three sports teams at the same time. I would go to school maybe two, three days a week. That's not to say my marks were crap. I mean I still got by, but it was always just like I don't you know, I don't really care.
0: Right. The focus the focus wasn't on academics. It wasn't yes. to say that you couldn't, you know, had you applied yourself, it would have been different. Exactly. But there was no yeah. need at the time. And I think you, you explain it really quite well. A Canadian boy who plays hockey yeah. between and, and is a good hockey player, I mean the focus is there.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Knew I wanted to go to university. So again, this is important. I applied to kinesiology at several different schools, had my mind set on, you know, I was going to take kin because like you said, yeah, I was fascinated with human body performance, how it works. Um, long story short, I kind of got talked out of that, um, and ended up. Why talked out of it? So my older sister who was about, I shouldn't mess this up. She's like five or six years older than me, four or five. Um, she took kin before me. Didn't really have the best of luck finding a job right away. Um, that was around the time where it was, it was difficult to find a job immediately with kin. Like you had to kept going afterwards. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was kind of just like family, mostly family, bit of friends just kind of saying like, Chet, maybe this isn't the best route, you know, yada, 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 My brother was a cop. I thought that was pretty cool too so i was like okay fine i'll take criminology like i'm going to be a cop or maybe maybe i'll take crim but then end up being a fireman something like that right whatever um so yeah also at this time so i played four years of junior b hockey in Stratford prior to going to university um any hockey players listening junior b in southwestern ontario is a little bit different than the, the the junior b here it's it's I guess it's it's kind of our equivalent to the tier two junior A, like um, you know Ottawa Junior Sens, good mm-hmm. example there. It's not quite there, but it's kind of in between those two levels here in Ottawa. Um, so yeah, have finished that out, and then when I came to Carlton, I wasn't recruited to play on the team. So uh, sorry when when I came to Carlton, I played four years on the varsity hockey team. Um, was never recruited. I was a walk on. Um, and that was, yeah, that that was a pretty special moment for me because most of that team is like OHL, QMJHL.
0: Yeah, I, I know that yeah. team, you know, the recruiting process and and they've got a top pick uh, right, for a program yeah. that people are, are vying to get in on yeah. this program. So when you go to school, was there anticipation like, I might
1: not play or I'm... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason why I say that was a special moment to me was because... Just because of like the work ethic, it wasn't so much as like, I mean, yeah, I get to keep playing, but when I look back on that now, like I'm just proud that I kind of put the work in, um, and kind of beat the odds per se. And I've definitely taken that work ethic and applied it to this.
0: But you were saying that you really weren't applying your academics. You didn't through, we know that you didn't do it through high school, but you yet managed to get into Carleton, walk onto a pretty amazing hockey program.
1: So still, yeah, still at this point in time, wasn't too worried about school. Um, But again, I mean, I I got by, I I took a full course load while I was playing. Um, It wasn't until, so it was third year of my undergrad. So third year taking criminology, I take a third year neuroscience class as an elective. And I didn't have any neural background. So to be honest, I'm not sure how they let me into the class because it was it was like a drugs and pharmacology class or something like literally how how does like marijuana, psilocybin, um, some other pharmaceuticals actually act in the brain. And like I was absolutely hooked right away. I was like fascinated. You
0: were taking this for this criminology degree you were going after.
1: Yes. Essentially, just as an, right. As, as, as an, an elective. elective.
0: It yeah. wasn't. OK. but I'm assuming that class just triggered everything.
1: Oh yeah. That was it right there. Yeah, And then I, so I, I immediately made that my minor started taking as many neuro classes as I could even tried. Well, I debated switching majors and I decided it was, I mean, I was too far along by then. So I just kept it my minor. And then one other very, very important thing happened my fourth year. Um, so I had a a pretty serious back injury, I would say. I had a, a disc herniation at L4, L5, a lot of symptoms down the leg. So I couldn't, I had no dorsiflexion. So I couldn't, I couldn't flex my toes towards my knee for anyone listening. So again, hockey players listening, I mean, those first couple strides, your toes are flexed up every single stride. You're on your toes. So you need that power in the ankles, you need that power in the calves. I had none of that. Um, And The only reason I made the team in the first place was because I was one of the best skaters So that was one thing I always had going for me and now that was gone so Yeah, I mean fourth year was a write-off I didn't play at all basically because I had these symptoms and this back injury and the reason this was so important is because kind of for the first time in my life really I I had a lot of free time and that may sound funny to people because I was taking a full course load but when you're used to you know, hours and hours and hours a day practice. You're in the gym after you're gone every single Mm -hmm. weekend. You have two games, Um, you know, just the recovery aspect. You probably want to go out and celebrate sometimes on the weekend. But all of a sudden I didn't have most of that. And I had so much free time. And this is this was where I I learned the most during university.
0: But would you also have realized that you weren't going to be able to make a like hockey wasn't going to be a ticket to anything, I, right? I always so, knew that, though. So it was just more of a let's let's switch the focus.
1: Yes, yeah. It was okay. I need to kind of start thinking about what's next. Um, but so I had this injury. I said I was always curious with human body how it works. So I actually I started studying basically the anatomy of this human spinal cord because I never really got to take many classes on that. I wanted to understand my injury um understand what i could do about it this
0: is just for your own general
1: yeah. knowledge this yeah. wasn't for
0: a class no this was on this, the
1: side okay um yeah i and and that's kind of how it started i started crushing a ton of podcasts in this kind of you know neuro fasting a back health whatever inflammation one thing kind of just spiraled to the next and then it was around that that same time, so that fourth year I had all this free time, still taking the full course load, but I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm getting more and more passionate about some of the things we're going to talk about today. And it got to the point where I just, I had this weird feeling where I, I couldn't keep these things inside my head anymore, because I'm very, I mean, I'm 100% introverted, I'm in my own head a lot, I know that now and just accept it. Um, but I, I felt like I had to get these things out of here and so the brain ignition thing started as I made this separate brain ignition Instagram account. I didn't tell anyone I knew about it because I was like I was still kind of you know, I care about what people think um, I cared about that whole like health shaming thing, which is I'm, I grew up in a small town So that's like a real thing um, I don't know if it's as bad anymore, but Anyways, that's kind of separate. No, what do
0: you, no, like it yeah. So that.
1: it's it's very. The more and more I think about this, the more it's just so bizarre. Um, and again, this is from the perspective of like kid in high school, right? But it's. Um, oh, you're going to the gym. It's Saturday. It's Sunday. Like, why are you working out? We should be out, you know, partying, having fun, or it's your birthday. Why would you be active and be healthy on your birthday? Like celebrate. And these are just little examples, but this is a real thing. And I'd hazard a guess, like, it's a real thing in a lot of small towns, at least, I mean, at least where I'm from. Um,
0: the conversation of health wellness mind yeah. body spirit isn't
1: the typical conversation yeah, around the dinner really tables. yeah don't really take it serious not everyone mm-hmm. and again i don't want to paint like everyone at the but same But your experience rush. was that yeah because there is a lot of cool things going on in those towns my hometown people you know promoting health and wellness but i think most people especially in this realm would agree with me that yeah the percentage of people it's kind of it's hard to get through to them on um, topics like this um so yeah that was you know I made the account and but yeah like I said at the very very start it was just an attempt to kind of express my emotions really is what it was express my passion kind of share my knowledge and then it just kind of snowballed from there um, I guess the important thing it was I yeah I applied to a master's in neuroscience at Western because I did so through all that I had I had good marks like I don't know like high 80s and so I I got into the Masters in Neuroscience even though I took CRIM, Um, I had the same credits that I could graduate with a degree in psych. So it wasn't like totally foreign.
0: No, but there was an interest. I think that the school would have seen, there's a a passion. There was an interest. And there was an academic, you had excelled that you had the brain capacity to be able to do this. What did you find most fascinating? Because you had done so much research on your own prior to actually being in these classes that once you were actually in these classes in the master's program, what did, what were you gravitating to? Like what, like as a sponge, your brain is a sponge. What was you soaking in?
1: So you mean during my undergrad?
0: No, when you're at when you're at Western and and taking it, like what classes were just
1: yeah, so hitting you hard. The way the masters is actually it's kind of funny in that I only took like you only take two or three classes in the program I was in. Other than that, it's like you're in the lab, like you're. We see these stereotypical pictures like you know white lab coat, mm-hmm. glasses with this little. It's called a pipette transferring solutions tube to tube this just this crazy basically white room you know beakers everywhere that was me like daily basis i'm in there i did a lot of experiments on mice but kind of to answer that question my biggest interest it it wasn't really my my major thesis it was kind of like a spin-off of that because you mentioned that i did i studied a lot of neuroinflammation which is just it's inflammation in the brain a lot of similarities obviously a ton of differences but um kind of a spin-off of my thesis was that inflammation in the rest of our body does have sorry do have these direct highways to get into the brain and then from there they can basically change how we feel on a daily basis so this was kind of like a spin-off from my masters and this was where this is what I put a lot of like my extra time and free time into because so I'm one thing I'm most passionate about exercise and what's exercise well it's a it's a stressor, right? Like when we when we lift really heavy weights, um you know, heavy squats especially, you're breaking down muscle tissue and that's stimulating an inflammatory response. Like people don't realize exercise is actually terrible for you. If you if someone were to go to the doctor and have some basic blood work done after like a hard training session, mm-hmm. they and they didn't know they worked out, the doctor would say like you're a mess. Like you need to clean some things up. Cause that's, that's what it is. It's, it's an inflammatory insult. And then it's our ability to adapt to that, which makes us, um, stronger, fitter, faster. So these are saying this from a CrossFit
0: athlete. I mean, like there's one thing to be an athlete and like hit the gym and work out, but I look at what the CrossFit athletes do and I look at them going, what are they doing to their bodies? I look at that and kind of go that, that for me is, extreme right because you're pushing you're pushing those muscles everything to the absolute limit and then trying to recover and then do it all over again yeah and increase it by a rep or two right
1: yeah and i think that's what led me to crossfit in the first place i think or that's why i should say that's why i got addicted by it Mm -hmm. so quickly is because so yes hockey and these other sports have a component where Okay, you need to be in your peak physical condition to perform at your best. But what overrules peak physical condition in those sports? It's skill. I mean, there was guys on my team, especially Carlton, they would and we were we kind of chatted about one of those examples beforehand, but at this point in time, those got not a lot of them care about physical fitness per se that's not to say they're not you know working hard but there might be the odd workout where they kind of just you know whatever i don't need this and then on the ice they're still the best guy well why because they have so much skill i'm not saying they didn't kind of work at that and earn that over time but whereas something like crossfit you could argue that it's well it is it's kind of like whoever is in peak you know physical condition is going to be the best athlete there again is there a little bit of skill involved absolutely but as much as these other sports no i don't think so because like you said what it comes down to you know strongest um most aerobically fit Mm -hmm. and then who can recover the fastest and do it all again so who has that capacity and that's you can't say that about another sport that's why i'm so fascinated with crossfit is because i take all this kind of Um, you know, what I learned to my master's, what I now study on my own, which is, okay, how can we reach kind of this peak level of optimal performance? And then well, CrossFit's the perfect place to apply it really.
0: You were just in the city. You were here, you were doing these seminars and you're doing these workshops. And I want to be able to kind of go because you're talking about this awful performance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're looking at it from this. You have this CrossFit background. And then I'm looking at it, too, from I want to be able to reach the person sitting on the couch. Yes. I want to be able to reach the mom trying to kind of feel better after, you know. 9 months after having a baby, yeah. I want to get to the 50-year-old man who's like I got to do something because this once a week hockey isn't quite doing it for yeah. me kind of thing. Like there are so many different people and such a broad spectrum that we can reach. And yet you're creating these seminars that hit on so many different aspects. Yes. How did you break how did you break that down? Like once you created this Brain Ignition company to know that you'd be able to have a different reach like this?
1: It's I had to identify what the biggest problems are that people have. Um, what are what are the most common symptoms or health complaints that people have on a daily basis? Um, so it's the things. What like, are they? Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's the brain fog when you first wake up in the morning. It's. Um, I mean, nasty hunger cravings and pains at times you probably shouldn't experience it. It's, um, you know. Either not being able to get to sleep or when you do get to sleep, you're waking up several times throughout the night and then in the morning, same thing, you have that brain fog, you don't feel well, well rested. Um, I mean, the list kind of goes on and on and on, but I, that's a, it's a good tie-in actually to the neuro-nutrition because when I see, so sorry, first, so the average individual, when they see these things or feel these things, most of the times, what would they chalk it up to? It's... What, what would you say
0: if i'm not feeling well
1: yeah um or just I, the average person something like a symptom like that it's
0: i well, i see i'm going to give you an answer because it's like something i ate uh something i did not enough sleep yeah. uh not for me it's like i feel certain ways if i don't get my
1: exercise in right so, you, so
0: but i'm looking at it i mean i know this information. yeah, so, that, yeah <laughs> so
1: that's definitely not the average answer the average answer would be oh i'm just getting old Right. Or something like that. Or wait till you get to my age. Or this is just the way it is. And from my perspective, I'm like, like, I actually hate that answer. I hate, I, that, I, answer I hate that belief. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, but so from my perspective, neuronutrition, nutrition will know these are all these are all different kind of physiological mechanisms that we can actually now go and look into. Like if I just take. If i take the sleep as the simplest example well what's one reason why you can't get to sleep at night um could be because your cortisol is high before bedtime so cortisol not all bad i i want people to realize that because we often demonize that cortisol is totally necessary for survival problem is when you have cortisol high at the wrong times so you want it high first thing in the morning you want it low before you go to bed Okay, so maybe high cortisol before bed is an issue. So why might that be? Um, Lots of possibilities. Um, Maybe too much caffeine in the afternoon. Um, Stress would be the obvious example. And I mean both physical and emotional stress. So, you know, work stress, um, stress with family life, so on and so forth. That could have your cortisol high before bed. And then there's other examples. Um, I mean, too much exposure to artificial light before you go to bed. Exercise right before you go to bed. These are some other examples that could have that cortisol high So again, that's one little thing. So this could impair how you get to sleep Um, Well, that kind of sets off this chain reaction where you know, if you have a poor sleep you wake up tired You're probably gonna dose that with caffeine and so this just from this one simple little example I would go in and say, okay, first of all, how can we? How can we improve your sleep by lowering your cortisol? And by lowering your cortisol at night, that means we have to also look at cortisol first thing in the morning. So you see how kind of all these things begin to tie together?
0: Well, it's a domino effect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So are you working with clients then that are coming to you because they're not able to sleep? And are you coming Are you have clients coming to you that are trying to get to their next peak performance level at a high Yeah. aspect of sport. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com.
1: It's a bit of both, but so yeah, there is a lot of kind of quote-unquote what you could call average Joes. It's just people who... I mean, I have some some nurses, some firemen. So, the common trend with that is oh, shift, shift work. work. Yep, right. Um, but even just like um, teachers, people who work in an office. So, it, it is a wide spectrum. But for those people, mostly it's there's there's still the of course the most popular goal of you know I want to lose weight, I want to improve body composition. But when I do this in depth assessment with people, I uncover all these other things that are essentially preventing them from achieving that fat loss or weight loss goal. And so it's... What are these factors usually? Which... Sorry.
0: Like, so you say people are coming to you for, you know, body composition or fat loss, and then you're like, but there's all these other factors. Uh, What would some of those actually be?
1: That are preventing them from the weight loss? Yeah. Yeah. So um, sleep is a good example, what we just talked about. Too much stress is another example. Actually, and I, I'm i not surprised anymore, but when I first started working, there's one specific scenario where it just kept coming up, coming up, coming up. And it's actually, it's people working out too much and not eating enough. And then they get into this. There's a lot of potential names for this and a lot of potential things it can lead to. Um, the most classic would be, quote unquote, adrenal fatigue. Um, I don't like that term.
0: What What is that? term mean? Because it's one of these buzzwords, right? You're starting to hear it now, but I don't know if people understand what it is.
1: So it's, it's burnout is what it is. It's feeling chronically, um, tired, not well rested. You, you have that wired or sorry, tired, but wired effect. So you're just exhausted until you go to bed and lay down and your heart's still racing. Um, a lot of possible other possibilities. Maybe lack of motivation. Your sex drive has gone down. Um, for women, it could be loss of period. So there's a lot of possibilities. But so this buzzword, adrenal fatigue. I I don't. I personally don't like that term. It's kind of inaccurate because that suggests that our adrenal glands. So our adrenal glands are what produce this stress response by releasing cortisol. It suggests that those have just kind of tired out, but that's not what's going on. It's a change, and this is the neuro nutrition, it's a change in the signals that your adrenal glands are receiving from your hypothalamus in your brain. So it's the proper term would be HPA axis dysfunction or hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction, but you can't, that's not as... That's why your high school teachers were going,
0: he's talking about what? Okay, so that was a complicated scientific explanation. What is the layman's term for that? Like understanding?
1: Yes, so what is adrenal fatigue? So it's the stress signals changing from your from your brain to your adrenals so it's basically someone cuts you off in traffic you start honking the horn that's your stress response this what i just explained that release of cortisol from your adrenals that's what's going on during that stress response so what this you know quote unquote uh burnout adrenal fatigue hp axis dysfunction whatever you want to call it too much training not enough um calories this is all it's it's just a uh, that that signaling has just kind of temporarily shut off, so it's not working properly. And if we think about, whenever people are confused about these mechanisms like this, the easiest explanation or the easiest way to help people understand is most of the times these are like survival mechanisms, like adaptive mechanisms, right? So if someone is constantly working out and they're not eating enough, Why can't they lose any more weight? Well, because the body says, you are constantly stressing me out with this exercise. You're not giving me enough fuel to fuel these sessions. So I'm gonna retain what calories you do give me because these are precious, precious calories. I'm gonna hang on to that extra fat so that when we go through these times of stress, these times of not enough calories, I can feed off of that and survive. So that's the perfect example. There's other good examples if we think about like fasting, ketosis, and all that. Yeah. So,
0: so. Do you want to get into that? Okay. So, w- one of the main things, and, and you have like a number of different mod- modules that you use when you do these presentations. One of the first things that comes up, and I've, I've looked at your stuff, is this is fasting, right? Uh, or the intermittent fasting. And so, and I've heard a lot of people now are kind of trying to learn more about it or understand it more or yeah. why are they doing it or why, what's the purpose of it? So, can you explain it and definitely and yeah. why do you think there's been more interest yeah. on this subject?
1: So, I guess do you want me to just explain kind of the basic protocol? I think first? so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, if anyone hasn't heard fasting, um, intermittent fasting, basically it's it's restricting restricting the hours in a day that you actually consume food. So, like a classic example would be this. It's called a 16 8 intermittent fasting window. So, this just means that for 16 hours of a day, you're not eating. For the other eight hours, that's when you're consuming all your calories. So, as an example, maybe you eat food from 12 noon until 8 p.m., and then from 8 p.m. during your sleep, during the morning, you're not eating anything, you're fasting. Now, the.
0: Can I? I'm gonna stop I think a lot of people don't even know that they're fasting because they just skip, like forget, they, go, yeah. they like they forget or they don't have time. And the next thing they know, they hadn't have breakfast or a coffee. And the next thing they know, it's noon, and they're like, "Oh my god, I yes, I need starving. I need lunch. Yep.
1: They don't it's even true, realize
0: yeah. that they've done it right, but they're not. They're not quite doing it right. Yeah. But yes.
1: Yeah. No, that's definitely true. The where this came from in the first place is because again it's supposed to trigger these survival mechanisms Um, and the idea being so same thing as exercise initially when you fast when you don't consume calories it it is a stressor to the body but then your body adapts and says okay I need to get stronger um, and all these different things I need to be better able to deal with this stressor in the future and so I can kind of adapt and become healthier so I guess Another kind of real life example of this or application, there is some. There's some research coming up now uh, about so individuals, cancer patients, prior to them going in for um, radiation, they'll actually fast individuals because it, it it it's basically an upgrade to all of their healthy cells. So if if people don't know what radiation does, radiation it kills the cancer cells, but it it shows no mercy. It also kills your healthy cells. So by fasting beforehand, it kind of upgrades your um, healthy cells so that they're better able to resist that radiation and essentially live afterwards. So they find that in some cases, people are able to bounce back faster after radiation if they do a fast beforehand. Um, the other classic fasting and cancer example is there's something called the Warburg effect um, which means some cancer cells can only live off of sugar like literally you know carbohydrates glucose and so what fasting does is we know that when we fast we're restricting oftentimes we're restricting the sugar intake our body and this is where it kind of gets into the keto stuff too our body will then switch to burning these ketones as energy and a lot of cancers just do not have the ability to use these ketones so they literally starve to death so this is another kind of cool area of um, fasting research
0: is there a certain amount of food that you need to be having prior to that eight o'clock cutoff? that you know okay at the eight o'clock we're starting the fast
1: yeah so this is i'm happy you asked that because this kind of leads into i would say the the biggest mistake that people make when fasting so
0: because people are doing it i just don't think they're doing it
1: no they're not they're not um what's the biggest thing we see on social media it's intermittent fasting burns fat right that's kind of the the go-to the biggest buzz so this probably news to a lot of people fasting itself the intermittent fasting does not automatically increase fat loss that's just that's just the way it is there's no there's no mechanism during the fast that says okay body i'm going to get you to start burning fat faster so let me give you a simple simple example so person a person b um just consider them as like you know clones essentially just for sake of example so person a is consuming 2000 calories from noon till say 4 p.m so that's person a's intermittent fasting right okay person b consuming the exact same amount of calories 2000 from whatever 8 a.m to 8 p.m so that's normal eating window so person a intermittent fasting person b longer eating window but they're eating the same amounts so in those examples there's no difference to fat loss and studies have shown this, they compare, they'll compare these groups of people who are on what are, so this is called isocaloric, when they have, when they consume the exact same amount of calories, and they find that uh, the fast does not increase the fat loss at all. So, So that's kind of, again, like most important thing right there. Now that being said, is it harder to consume all of your calories in a restricted window absolutely if i i i probably eat say like 3000 to 3500 calories a day for me to try and get that in in like 4 hours pretty difficult so what's going to happen well i'm probably going to end up eating less like 2500 or something like that so that's what leads to the fat loss it's kind of this is because so that makes you've sense. Had reduced, you can reduce you're reducing your Exactly calories. yeah people forget that kind of when it comes to weight loss fat loss still the number one most important thing is calories in versus calories out are you are you consuming extra energy than you're expending or are you consuming less than you're expending that's what it comes down to is it the only one no and i hate when people say that it is the only factor and that's why i focus on all these other mechanisms and kind of different things going on in the body but that's still the number one most important thing
0: Okay, can I just say though because before you said if the body knows that it's not going to get calories, yeah. It's going to start to say, "Okay, well, I'm just going to start to save them." If uh, I know that you're not going to be con- you're giving them to me, they're going to be holding on to it. <clears throat> so at what yeah. point does that stop being the case?
1: <clears throat> like you mean at what point does the body kind of um trigger that stress response? Yeah. So that's the that's the kind of million dollar question, right? And that's that's part of my job is to figure out, um, to figure out who's in that scenario. How can people avoid getting to that scenario? So there's not, yeah, there's not a there's no one answer. This is it depends.
0: Okay. One, do you suggest intermittent
1: fasting? (laughs) Again, it depends. Yeah, people hate that answer, but that's well. What does it depend on? So it depends on the amount of stress you're under, for one. So if someone is incredibly stressed in their day-to-day life, which I can pick up on from the assessments I use, right. fasting would not be good for them. Because, okay. again, remember, fasting, it is a, it's a stressful stimulus. So to use the bathtub analogy, if someone already has a full bathtub of stress, of water, throwing that fasting on top of that and adding a bit extra water, it's just going to overflow. The other hand, if someone, if they have no water in the bathtub or it's pretty low, you want to add a little bit of stress to that and bring that up a bit. So that's kind of rule number one. Okay. You're adding it. Yes. You
0: have to, you have to think of it that it's a stress factor.
1: You do. Yeah. People forget that. Okay. Yes.
0: Also, people who think that they're doing it properly, they're making a ton of mistakes, right? They think that they're doing the fasting, right? What are some common mistakes that they make?
1: Yeah. um, Milk and coffee. Because that's sugar, right? As soon as you give your body that sugar, it's like a signal to tell the body, okay, there's calories coming in. Fast over.
0: So, if even if you think, okay, well, I've got, I stopped eating at eight. I'm not really eating till noon, but I need that morning coffee. That morning coffee.
1: So black is okay. Right. Yeah.
0: But as soon as you add your cream or your sweetener or your yeah. sugar, you're done. Yeah. So you've com- you've at that moment ended the fast.
1: Essentially, yeah, yeah. If you want to get 100% of the benefits of fasting, yeah, you've ended the fast. So that's that's probably the most common mistake. But here's where it gets a little confusing. It's like, okay, what can I actually get away with? Um, so you've probably heard of like MCT oil um, or brain octane, those? Yes. Yeah. So, so That's
0: like the bulletproof stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, brain octane. So this yes. is
1: where it gets a little bit confusing because a little bit of something like MCT oil... Or brain octane or even a little bit of coconut oil it's kind of like how can i explain that it's so you're still able to get kind of some of the benefits of the fast if not all excuse me and the reason being is because the so so these are their fats is what they are they're different kind of fats those fats that you consume the mct the coconut that's keeping our it's keeping our insulin and our blood glucose low. So this is why, and this is kind of a slippery slope when I say you can use a little bit of this, but that's essentially why you, you can still get a lot of the benefits from fasting if you're only using something like that, like a tablespoon of MCT oil or coconut oil.
0: You can use that. During, During your, your fast, fast, before yes. you start eating again, I say twelve. Yeah,
1: and again, it's you're not going to get the full benefits because that's energy coming in. But, like I said, because it's not leading to that, you know, that spike in insulin, that spike in blood glucose, you'll still get some of the benefits. And that's kind of like grossly simplifying it, but yeah, that's kind of, I mean, so when I did this module on the weekend, the fasting. What
0: questions are you getting from the audience? Like, what are they asking?
1: Yeah, it's usually that one like (laughs) what can I have during the fast or it's um does it burn fat what's the best eating window um the BCAs come up a lot too and that's a hard no
0: what so BCA
1: yeah so the branch chain amino acids probably the most common like I guess supplement that people use before a workout or during a workout if and if you're having this during a fast you're Definitely not fasting. That's like a hard no. And if you want to know why, I can tell you. But what's the hard no? Just that, yeah. So just that if, if you have these, if you have these BCA's or these essential amino acids during your fast, so this is stimulating something called it's called mTOR. Um, it's mammalian target of rapamycin. Again, some people like to know the full um, phrase. This is this is why we build muscle. This is how we build muscle. So when someone trains and then goes to crush that post-workout protein shake, they're triggering this pathway. They're triggering that mTOR because this leads to muscle protein synthesis. It builds muscle. So why does that matter for fasting? Well, because this pathway is complete. It's essentially completely opposite of fasting. So the this pathway will... They they just can't happen at the same time because they're completely opposite um mechanisms. It's like going in different directions in the city. That's I mean, that's the simplest. Like you way think to you're going it. north,
0: but as soon as you take this shake, you're immediately turning south.
1: Yeah, exactly. They just they just can't happen together because that this mTOR, so that muscle building, this is building things up. Whereas during a fast, we're actually breaking things down. So it's completely opposites.
0: Is there anyone that you really think this works really well for? Yeah, S- someone who's not stressed, is getting plenty of sleep, doesn't have yeah. that. Big appetite. Well, no, I'm, I'm happy you
1: asked that because, <laughs> like, I'm happy you asked that yes. because it sounds like I've just been bashing fasting. Meanwhile, I'm someone who actually encourages it a lot.
0: Okay, well, who are you encouraging it for, yeah. and then who are you saying honestly this is not for you? Because some people are trying every single thing and fad that they can try yeah and they don't see results
1: yeah so i'll just or they're miserable yeah i'll just simplify it like fasting not for people who are very very stressed on a daily basis um fasting not for i mean people who have hypothyroidism another good example shouldn't be fasting if you suspect you have this this burnout not a good option and then even a lot of and i'll I'll kind of explain this in a minute but even a lot of competitive athletes it's probably not the best option so let's but who's this for because I haven't really said that yet um, so yes some athletes can benefit from it for sure because I mentioned earlier that when you don't have calories coming in your body is more prone to use fat for fuel right mm-hmm. this is where it gets so confusing because Using fat for fuel does not mean fat loss automatically so you have to think of you have to think of our body as um, like a hybrid engine essentially so you can use gasoline or electricity so carbs are the gasoline fats are the electricity but just keep in mind that like the actual weight you lose or the fat you lose is it's kind of separate from that so let's just just push that to the side for a second so imagine an athlete who, can only burn gasoline, and then imagine an athlete who can burn gasoline and electricity. Obviously, the second one's gonna be better. So what the fasting can do is help an athlete burn both those fuel sources. Cause because you're going into that workout with no energy and then it forces the body to adapt and switch fuel sources. So there's a lot of benefit to that, right? Cause if an athlete, I mean, type of athlete, you name it, if an athlete doesn't have to constantly crush those gels, the Gatorades, whatever, they're gonna be better off.
0: You don't recommend the gels, the Gatorades.
1: I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying if you have to rely on that like every 30 minutes or so, then you're just – you could be better.
0: Okay. So you mentioned the Gatorade, which I'm going to then look at as the electrolytes, right, or what's in it. And I always kind of laugh that, you know, parents sometimes will give their kids like these Gatorades when they're going on a field for a little bit or they're going to play hockey. Like you don't need to be replacing those electrolytes. They're not – when when does this Uh, come right when does this come into actual play? sometimes i find people just i don't know they like the look of it maybe like when they're being active it's it's like marketing they've done a great job but it's it's not needed a lot of the time
1: yeah no you're totally right um so when do you need those are you Mm -hmm. saying um,
0: well, cause you're saying, right, you just mentioned the athletes that don't need to take the gels or don't need to take yeah. these are going to have better results in the long term, yep. but there are people that are taking them. So why and what are they seeing?
1: So if you are, so I'll just, I'll kind of just focus on the electrolytes. The marketing has sec. been yeah. amazing around it's, it, right? Yeah, so. it's insane. I, th- I think a lot of like athletes who are constantly sweating for like hours on end, a Gatorade in my opinion Is there better options? Yeah, that aren't loaded with artificial sweeteners. But at that point in time, it's not the worst of options. But I totally agree in that. But they've
0: been going for hours. Oh, yeah. Like you look at like a a Roger Federer and, you know, a Nadal match, right? That's a four-hour match. Yes, yes. It's different than a a kid going to play, you know, their house league Hockey and oh, they're on the ice 100%, for yeah. for a, a certain amount of time. It's not the same thing.
1: No, it's definitely not. And the worst is like using it using it as a substitute for water. That's the worst. Is you know, wake up in the morning, I'm thirsty. Okay, I need some Gatorade. Um, that's I'm having like some after lunch a
0: night out, and you're really well, yeah, that's
1: <laughs> different. But like yeah, like kids, or I'm having some lunch and I need something to wash this down, so I have some Gatorade. Like that's where it's yeah, like you said. Not, not ideal whatsoever. I think, I mean, the easiest is just kind of um, how long have I been exercising or working out for? Have I been sweating a lot? And if the answer is like, this is totally simplifying, but if the answer is over 60 minutes and I've been sweating that entire time, then sure, Gatorade. But otherwise, there's, I mean, there's not really a need for it. Um, Back to the... I just wanted to mention one more thing about the fasting because I still didn't really give any good examples as to who it's for. Um, so I know you've had some, well, I know of at least one you've had a keto guest on here before, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming the audience has heard a little bit about some of this before. So um, one thing that, so the ketogenic diet, it mimics fasting, right? This is This is why it was developed in the first place. So I just want to bring that up because I think it, it helps people understand this a little bit better. If you want to know the history, um, they, this was like 1920s. They found that individuals with epilepsy who were resistant to drugs, so like they gave these patients everything, nothing worked, their seizures kept persisting, they kind of by accident found that when these individuals don't eat, so when they fast, their symptoms go away. Why is, Why is that? okay well they didn't really know at the time but then they said well this is cool but we can't fast people 24 7 so they came up with the keto diet to mimic that state of fasting so that's important because ketogenic diet we're producing these ketones fasting we can start to produce these ketones as well so who is fasting for Um, well there's a lot of people that could benefit from having these these ketones present in their bloodstream um, neurological issues to me is kind of the most fascinating field um, because once these once these ketones get into the brain, they're incredibly therapeutic. Um, kind of this fascinating area of research right now. And then you have some other things going on. Um, they can stimulate like these like these natural detoxification mechanisms essentially. Um, they're good for our mitochondria, so these are like the batteries of our cells, basically. They produce our daily energy, so they can kind of like, you know, strengthen these guys essentially. So these are where some of the benefits start to come in. Now, from like a kind of practical application, um, you know, who might benefit from fasting? Well, maybe it's someone who they have a tendency to stop on their way to work and grab a a crappy breakfast like donuts muffins whatever because that's just like it's kind of just like stimulus habit they just pass it on the way and say okay I'm gonna eat that and then maybe for the rest of the day once they get to work they're okay because the options aren't there so it's like okay well let's implement this fast and then you'll be at work and you don't have that option anymore so you're fine so that's kind of like an example of a practical application um but they're hungry yeah so you just have to get used to it Um, and you'll, you'll adapt, you can adapt to that, not being hung, hungry at that point in time anymore, and push that back.
0: What about all of the doctors and all of the things that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? (sighs) Sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? But by missing it, by fasting until noon, you're going against the the mindset of breakfast is the most important.
1: So here's another, this'll answer that. Here's another kind of the most common mistake is people fast until noon you'd actually be better off eating in the morning and then end eating earlier so this is kind of backwards so instead of that 12 to 8 eating window you'd be better off eating from like say like 7 a.m until i mean whatever like 4 or 5 p.m reason being is because this it this supports our it's called our circadian rhythm so again you have to remember like our brain is still living like thousands and thousands of years ago like not much has changed in our brain since that point in time so what that means is the sun is a massive trigger for us so what their circadian rhythm is is it's so again it's it's controlled by the sunlight but it it i mean it regulates everything it determines so this circadian rhythm determines when you feel hungry how you deal with that food you're eating when you're most energized um, how well you can detox how well you can deal with inflammation um so another thing like they say they call it like the five f's like and i can't mention all of them but it's like feeding fighting fear another one i can't mention so just these basic survival mechanisms are all controlled by this circadian rhythm so kind of back to this idea of fasting. When the sun goes down, our body is not designed to handle incoming calories. So this is why if you eat a massive meal and then try and go to bed, it's it's not going to happen because it's it's just backwards. Um, it heats your body up at a time when it should be cooling down. Um, it it's basically stimulating your digestive function at a time when that should be like recovering and recuperating. There's all these different things. Even, I mean, even your your ability to deal with sugars is a scent is technically better in the morning than it is at nighttime. So these are just some of the factors that go into if you're going to fast, you're actually better off doing it um Earlier, earlier. and again, this is another one of those very very contradictory between what we see on social media versus what the research actually says because they have done these before where, where they they compare these two groups one's going to use this fasting window later the other one's going to use the early one and most of the benefits like the improvements to you know the metabolic markers the the triglycerides the these natural detox pathways all these all these reasons we do fasting in the first place they only get that in those early Um, eating windows so does that answer your question
0: well it does i mean and hopefully for people who have been trying to do this there's maybe an understanding of what they were doing right or what they were doing wrong or if it's even worth it for them to be doing it in the first place there will be people and what if, if they're doing it right and if they're the right person for this what benefit do they really get at the end of the day
1: from the fasting yeah so you can, you'll get a lot of those improvements to your your metabolic markers like, um, you know, blood glucose, insulin sensitivity. So a lot of like, a lot of markers that would essentially, if I'm to simplify it, protect you from diabetes basically. Okay.
0: So are we, are we battling, is, so right, is this fighting off illness? Is this fighting off uh, how we feel, inflammation? Is it fighting That's off a good one di- too, yeah. like other disease, uh, the aging process? like. Why even go through all of this in the yeah. first place? So what am it I going to see at the end of the day?
1: It is. It's, it's reversing these aging processes. It's preventing these chronic illnesses. It's improving um, neurological function and health, reducing inflammation. Yeah, so all of these.
0: Okay. And you could do these, and let's say we do it at the right hours and we're the right person for this. I would assume that the food that's being consumed during those hours also plays a huge effect.
1: Definitely. um, Right. It's not like,
0: okay, I'm going to fast and that gives you the go ahead to go have that Big Mac and the, you know, the soda and anything else. Right. That still becomes the, the critical part is what you're consuming in that time.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, and again, this is, this will kind of also determine whether or not fasting is good for someone is, are they prone to, um, like using food as a reward, because if they are, well, then they're after that fast, they're probably just going to go and, you know, kind of just consume everything in sight. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like food quality, food quality always matters. So, yeah, fasting does nothing to cancel any of that out.
0: Okay, That's the one thing I wanted to, to talk about. We had talked a little bit about uh, sleep optimization, uh, and that's a big thing that you focus on. Yeah. Can I, in all of this, we're talking kind of this brain, and you were talking inflammation, you were talking about things... I've had a lot of people sitting in the, with the chair that you're in that a lot of it stems from gut health, right? So a lot of people, and especially naturopath, they're they're looking at it from everything stems from the gut. Yeah. And then I have you kind of talking a little bit, a lot of it stemming from the brain. So how do we
1: yeah (laughs) do do
0: you is there a shared dialogue like where
1: yeah so I don't I don't want to say it's only the brain because there is we have connections between the gut and the brain so yeah gut is another massively important thing
0: but you were talking about inflammation in the brain right and I'm thinking if there's inflammation in the gut
1: it's going to the brain it's
0: going to the brain and vice versa right but what's the difference between an inflammation in the gut and an inflammation in the brain
1: well, so a lot of the times they're the same thing or one of the same, because um, this is what this is what I studied during my masters. It's okay. How how does inflammation in our gut or in the rest of our body actually get into the brain? So I, yeah, I can't really. We'll take an example of like, like have you heard of say like SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or something like that? No, but or, you can
0: share it with us. Yeah.
1: So well let's just say just gut inflammation i'll just i mean we can just say gut inflammation like if you have if you have gut inflammation well there's a good chance that your your gut lining which is what keeps everything inside your gut in there there's a good chance that that's going to open up so i think a lot of people have heard of this it's called gut permeability which is going to let We'll say those inflammatory signals seep out into your circulation, and that's how it's going to get into the brain. So that's how those are connected, right? Does that that doesn't really answer? No,
0: but then what? What's the difference? Gut health, you're not feeling well. Inflammation to the brain is doing what?
1: Oh, so yeah, sorry, that's a good point. So if you have inflammation in the brain, um, this could represent—I mean, every symptom in the book: uh, brain fog. Headaches, um, anxiety, stress, lack of motivation. I'm. I can tell you that there is not a neurological issue that does not have an underlying inflammation aspect. Now, is it a chicken or the egg? Like, did the inflammation lead to that illness, or did the illness lead to the inflammation? You can't really say with all of these conditions, but. Inflammation in the brain is, yeah, I mean, even Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, concussion, ALS, depression, um, these all all have massive inflammatory responses in the brain.
0: So when you list all of these things, right, or someone who suffers from concussions, what are they doing? How are they healing? How do we heal ourselves then when you realize that there is this happening?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. This is concussion, especially something I'm very, very passionate about um because i do think that like they put zero emphasis whatsoever on nutrition after concussion that's not their fault it's just the knowledge just isn't out there and to me that's like are you kidding me like the things we could be doing to help this is just insane so some like actual examples um and again i'm before i say this like i'm i'm obviously not a doctor so this this isn't health advice this is just put it this way like if If i had a concussion i'm probably going to do some of the following things um so fish oil is a massive one the omega-3s because we know that those are powerful powerful anti-inflammatories there's some other things going on but that's the biggest one and again there is studies supporting this um so these back to the kind of the keto thing if we can get these ketones circulating in our blood that would help because one of the things that's going on post concussion is there's this fifty percent increase in the need for energy, so our, our need for energy is higher than usual. However, post concussion there's a fifty percent decrease in energy compared to usual. So I always say this is it's basically the equivalent to going into like a weekend hockey tournament where you have more games, but you ate less than you even would before one single game. So it's it's the same idea. So The reason why there's this lack of energy is because the brain just kind of temporarily, and again, we don't fully know why, it temporarily is not as efficient at using sugar for energy. So kind of one common thing we see is post-concussion people think like, oh, you know, the brain needs energy, so, you know, go crush this pasta, go crush this Gatorade, go eat, you know, a loaf of bread, get those carbs in. And this is kind of where... so. First of all, that's it's not gonna provide the energy that the brain needs, but second of all, back to that gut-brain connection, we know those foods aren't good for the gut, so it's probably not gonna be good for the brain at that point in time either, right? So how do we get these ketones present? Um, we can jump on a ketogenic diet, that's one option, which I think could be very, very beneficial, but that being said, it still doesn't deliver immediate ketones, so this is where the did you have you talked about exogenous ketones at all no um so the the most popular example is prove it um this is a brand so yes and i have no affiliation Mm -hmm. with any of these i'm just using them as as an example um so exogenous ketones are basically it's a supplement You, you literally it's a supplement you take and it will increase the ketones in your blood immediately
0: Right. And I think a lot of people who are on a, a ketogenic diet are trying to get themselves into ketosis or trying to create this ability. Yeah. And yet they're, they have it now that you can take, you can consume the ketones just naturally. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, and that's kind of a, I have separate issues with that, but just to stay focused on this. So, if this is where I see a lot of application for exogenous ketones, if you can. If you supplement this immediately after concussion well okay that suggests that we're getting this immediate energy source into the brain and ultimately that could facilitate recovery now is there you know different qualities of these ketones absolutely um even mct oil coconut oil these are both going to deliver at least some ketones to the brain which could be therapeutic
0: and you were talking about this for concussion you know concussion recovery and yes this would apply to a lot of illness it would yeah inflammation
1: yeah yeah and they've this is this is some of the stuff they're experimenting with right now too in clinical studies is do these ketones help um, Alzheimer's disease do they help Parkinson's there's some clinical trials going on right now looking at this because uh, so these illnesses are so different yet they have so much in common so Alzheimer's disease also has this lack of energy, where the brain is basically starving. Um, have you ever heard of someone call Alzheimer's disease type three diabetes?
0: You know, we had an Alzheimer's. Uh, uh, really? We had, but I, there's constantly new listeners and stuff. Yeah. So I, I realized, and I hadn't known, you know, the difference between the Alzheimer's and the dementia, and how far, and yeah, yeah. the varying aspects of it, and how diabetes yes played it and played a massive factor
1: yeah so that plays into this so i i just bring that up because um it's it's like alzheimer's looks like diabetes of the brain and that okay we have we may we can consume all the energy we want but the brain is like resistant to that it's again it's just if i had the answer i mean i'd be billionaire but it's it's just resistant to this energy and so it's kind of starving now the interesting thing so the brain of, you know, like I said concussion, the brain of a individual with Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. while they can't effectively anymore use uh, glucose, sh- you know, sugars, carbohydrates, their ability to use these ketones for energy in the brain is completely intact. So this is fascinating. It's like so if we give this individual with Alzheimer's disease, if we give them these source of ketones, like could this you know could this address some of their symptoms and it it does <laughs> i mean if i'm to simplify it's not to say, it's not going to be like a miraculous cure mm-hmm. because it it doesn't work for a hundred percent but there is a lot of trials where it it helps it at least helps for a lot of patients with alzheimer's disease and when i mean i don't have to explain like if, even if this, even if it's something that allows a little bit more memory for even just a couple hours a day, I mean that's worth it, right? Because the best treatment for Alzheimer's disease right now is I can't even tell you because there's nothing. That's that's how little we. But know.
0: you're giving you're giving these patients an opportunity for a, a short amount of time. Yeah. To be able to create to to generate some of that memory. Exactly. Even if it's short short term. Yeah. It's giving them something. You kind of can break so much of this down. And, and in looking at and in, in talking to you, I'm assuming right now, based on the CrossFit discussion earlier and the keto, you know, discussion right now, that you are pretty much as your own practice, a CrossFit keto, mm. <laughs> you know, like you, you are and and some people see it like extreme. Okay, right. To be doing that kind of physical activity and that kind of lifestyle, it's like that's a lot of effort.
1: People are going to yell at me now, but... I'm not keto right now. Is that what you mean? No,
0: I'm like, well, that's one. <laughs> yes, because I don't think it can be sustained. Like yeah, It takes it takes combo. a lot of effort. It's a tough yeah. combo, especially if you're doing CrossFit and that kind of at the same time. Oh, yeah. So take even like half of you away on half of each of the dimensions and think of the the regular person. Mm-hmm. What are some of the tips that you have in terms of understanding brain, nutrition, gut, uh, that they're coming to you for right because yeah. people are coming to you they hear brain ignition it's kind of like what are they striving for what are they they needing yeah. and what are they walking away
1: with so as in like what would i use as an assessment is that what you mean
0: what are you assessing when yeah. they come in and then what are you changing or shifting okay. when they come yeah. out because you because you're because you're dealing with the normal people and then you're dealing with athletes that are looking yeah. for peak performance yeah
1: yeah this is actually, if I'm to be honest, this is probably the thing that I have the most difficulty explaining. I could talk about these mechanisms and systems all day long. Yeah,
0: you mentioned words that like, I have no understanding what you were talking. What's the about. application? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: I use, I use a lot of subject, subjective questions. Actually, um, some of subjective questions like ones that I, I already gave some examples earlier. So, so let me just give you the full kind of overview first. So, okay. I, use, I but you're use, gonna have to do it. Quickly? Quickly, yes. Because
0: yeah. I just looked at the clock.
1: So I use, I use subjective... I did not
0: see Veronica's 10-minute uh, <laughs> warning the other, like a while ago. Yes.
1: <laughs> so I, I use a lot of subjective questions, but I break them up into different sections. Each section gives me clues to a specific system in the body. So what are these symptoms... Or sorry, what are these systems? So these questions, which I'll give you a few examples in a minute, these questions give me clues to, um, you know, how's their gut health? How do they deal with stress? Um, how do they deal with inflammation? How's their sleep? How do they recover from exercise? So this is kind of, that's the kind of zoomed out. So some specific uh, questions, it'll just be things like I named some earlier. So how long does it take you to get to sleep? Um, if you wake up throughout the night, how many times do you wake up through the night? Um, Are you hungry in the morning? How's your sex drive first thing in the morning? Do you need a coffee to wake you up in the morning? Um, You know, how do you recover from training? Do you have a lot of joint pain, muscle pain? Are you sore for several days? Do you bounce back right away? Um, Do you have a lot of cravings? What are those cravings for? Salt, sugar? Um, Do you have bloating around the midsection? Do you have... You know, do you do you eat something and mm-hmm. feel like it just goes right through you? I mean, so there's so many gut health questions. Um, how do you how do you respond to like a higher fat meal? Um, you know, do you suspect any food sensitivities? The list goes on and on and on. So now, like, what would I actually do? Um, so s- supplements is a big one, and food supplements and lifestyle. So food. So some people. So first of all, kind of the the most obvious thing is that some people have food sensitivities and we just need to get rid of that right away. That's kind of like, that's a no-brainer. They're not gonna be gone forever, but we need to get rid of that right away. The other obvious ones are your macros and your total calories. Again, I talk about all this and I don't wanna overlook the most basic ones. So it's like, are you consuming too few calories or too many? And then the other big, big ones, which, and again, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, but it's how much fat, versus carbohydrates versus protein are you consuming because another probably the most common or another very very common issue is that people don't consume enough protein and that's that's another like five hour conversation but if people just think protein you know they think muscle 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 well no like there's there's so many amino acids in there that are being put to use for literally health of your entire body i mean your immune cells need it there's precursors for neurotransmitters in your brain um muscle is a big one but again people think like if you want to if you want to burn more calories like if you want to have a healthier metabolism you need more lean muscle right because that's your muscle is the biggest it's like a furnace like the more muscle you have the more calories you can handle um So these are some of the kind of the big red flags. Um, We'll look at how much water they're consuming on a daily basis, how's your salt intake. Um, And then as I said, like um, we'll look at, so supplements, like first of all, if you are taking some, I'll look at the quality of these. Like are they doing anything? Because we know there's a lot of crap supplements Mm -hmm. out there. And then which extras might you benefit from? And this is different for everyone. And then we'll also look at lifestyle, so these things like, you know, how often are you training, how stressed are you, can we play around with these a little bit, like are you willing to maybe drop a training session in favor of like some yoga, um, or some just some mindfulness, relaxation, Um, I've mentioned sleep 10 times, how can we improve that?
0: It seems to be the common factor of, of coming yeah. down, especially when we're talking with the brain. You're, you're, you were in Ottawa because you were in town to do a seminar, mm-hmm. which was great. Are you, are you often doing that so that people can come in for these one day classes or to understand? Because you're actually not based here; you're based uh, in Lo- London, London yep. right? So yeah. it, this is London based. But are there things on the website, or are there things that they can learn if if they go to Brain Ignition? Is it ca?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, honestly, for learning the best place would be my Instagram account actually. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: just, you post there like the last post I think had to do with man boobs.
1: Yeah. I, I have one yeah. in there about it. Yeah. So check that <laughs> it's out. It's
0: like, why are you, yeah. you know, but that's, that's real thing, right? Well, and
1: I've really been working on that lately is turning all of this into more practical, yeah. simple stuff. So yeah, I mean, Instagram is the best spot for that. There's some stuff on the website as well, kind of things you can, you know, things you can and apply right away, certainly for everyday, um, health. And then I am doing more and more of these seminars, which is, this it's my preference because I'm sure you've got this impression today and your listeners have got this impression where I can't just give like a straight yes or no answer. Because to me, that's that's one of the biggest problems these days, especially on social media, is people are just, they're just kind of spewing like this yes or no stuff mm-hmm. and they're not so, like, the problem with that is we ignore we ignore the individuality is what's happening. We ignore the fact that everyone is different and that everyone has different needs. And so that's why I I couldn't just give you those yes or no answers. I often say it depends, which really annoys people. But I mean that's the way it is. Like, if you want if you want the best service, if you want to know what is best for your body, it depends. Like, we are so much different that I it, these things like the fasting. well the it's keto's. even down to the
0: fasting right yeah it depends on who you exactly. are what your lifestyle is like as if it's going to work for you or not and that people yeah. see these buzzwords or they see these things on social media it's like, i'm gonna go try that i'm gonna and they're not educated enough
1: yes to know
0: that they could be wasting their time or doing more damage than good yes by kind of understanding it so i want people to know brainignition.ca i'm, I'm doing this because i'm like way over time right now <laughs> so uh people yeah. can find you at uh, brain ignition. that's the best place and then it, what's the handle on instagram
1: at brain underscore chat
0: that's the Instagram handle.
1: Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, if anyone ever has any questions about any of this stuff about my posts, just DM me, and because I actually this is, I enjoy the questions. I enjoy answering mm-hmm. these. So yeah, don't be scared. Don't be shy. No,
0: it's good if, you, if people can reach out and, and yeah. ask the questions on the on the direct messaging. Yeah. That's that's great to know that you're answering them for sure. Yeah. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for staying yeah, in town a little bit longer to be able to to do this after your seminars and your workshops, and also a lot of information and I'm glad you know like we did we had the the Keto Goddess in not long ago so there's so many different guests and so many different uh, topics that we're covering here on the podcast so be sure to like share, subscribe let people know about the information and about the topics that we are covering but that is your wrap on Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. have a great day it's said that the more time you have to invest the greater the return well guess what kids have the most time if we learn to invest early That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one.